Long history. The southern United States in the 1500s, part 19. Into Texas. Welcome to episode 19 of Long Histories, the southern United States in the 1500s. This text describes an expedition from the mid-1500s which explored large parts of the southern United States, from Florida to Arkansas and most of the states in between. The expedition was headed by Hernando de Soto and began in April 1538. A Portuguese man known as the Gentleman of Elvis wrote this narrative. We're on to episode 19 of a 25-part series, so don't forget to subscribe to be informed of the release of the remaining episodes in this series. Now the previous episode contained some of the most significant events in the whole text. Hernando de Soto, the governor and head of the expedition, died. It was a strange death, not in battle, not particularly after some grand event. Rather, he just seemed to run out of steam, losing faith in the expedition and then falling ill. After his death, he was quickly replaced by a new governor, Luis de Moscoso, who seems to have taken to his role quite easily and has fresh ideas on how the expedition can return to Spanish-speaking lands. Whereas previously there was some vague hope to reach the coast and sail to Cuba, now they hope to head by land to New Spain. After the death of de Soto, therefore, in this episode, the men move on both literally and metaphorically. They head west across Arkansas and eventually enter lands which today make up Texas. So here we go with the southern United States in the 1500s, part 19, into Texas. Monday the 5th of June, the governor left Guachoya, receiving a guide from the cacique who remained in his town. They passed through a province called Catalte and, going through a desert six days journey in extent, on the 20th of the month they came to Chaguate. The cacique of the province had been to visit the governor, Don Hernando de Soto, at Autiamque, where he took in presents of shawls, skins and salt. The day before Luis de Moscoso arrived, a sick Christian becoming missed, whom the Indians were suspected to have killed, he sent word to the cacique to look for and return him, that, in so doing, he would continue to be his friend. If otherwise, the cacique should not hide from him anywhere, nor he, nor his, and that he would leave his country in ashes. The chief directly came, and, bringing the Christian, with a large gift of shawls and skins, he made this speech. Excellent master, I would not deserve that opinion you have of me for all the wealth of the world, who impelled me to visit and serve that excellent lord the governor, your father, in Autiamque, which you should have remembered, where I offered myself with all loyalty, truth and love to serve and obey his lifetime, or what could have been my purpose, having received favours of him, and without either of you having done me any injury, that I should be moved to do that which I should not. Believe me, no outrage nor worldly interest could have been equal to making me act thus, or could have so blinded me. Since, however, in this life the natural course is, after one pleasure should succeed many pains, Fortune has been pleased with your indignation to moderate the joy I felt in my heart at your coming, and have failed where I aimed to hit in pleasing this Christian, who remained behind lost, treating him in a manner of which he shall himself speak, thinking that in this I should do you service, and intending to come with and deliver him to you at Chaguate, serving you in all things, to the extent possible in my power. If for this I deserve punishment from your hand, I shall receive it, as coming from my master's, as though it were a favour. The governor answered that because he had not found him in Chaguete he was incensed, supposing that he had kept away, as others had done, but that, as he now knew his loyalty and love, he would ever consider him a brother, and would favour him in all matters. 
The cacique went with him to the town where he resided, the distance of a day's journey. They passed through a small town where was a lake, and the Indians made salt. The Christians made some on the day they rested there, from water that rose nearby from springs in pools. The governor was six days in Chaguete, where he informed himself of the people there were to the west. He heard that three days' journey distant was a province called Aguacay. On leaving Chaguete, a Christian remained behind, named Francisco de Guzman, bastard son of a gentleman of Seville, who, in fear of being made to pay for gaming debts in the person of an Indian girl, his concubine, he took her away with him, and the governor, having marched two days before he was missed, sent word to the cacique to seek for and send him to Aguacay, whither he was marching, but the chief never did. Before arriving at this province, they received five Indians, coming with a gift of skins, fish and roasted venison, sent on the part of the cacique. The governor reached his town on Wednesday, the fourth day of July, and finding it unoccupied, lodged there. He remained in it a while, making some inroads in which many Indians of both sexes were captured. There they heard of the South Sea. Much salt was got out of the sand, gathered in a vein of earth like slate, and was made as they make it in Cayas. Chapter 32 How the Governor went from Aguacay to Naguatex, and what happened to him. The day the Governor left Aguacay, he went to sleep near a small town subject to the lord of that province. He set the encampment very nigh a salt lake, and that afternoon some salt was made. He marched the next day and slept between two mountains in an open grove. The next after, he arrived at a small town called Pato, and on the fourth day of his departure from Aguacay, he came to the first inhabited place, in a province called Amaye. There they took an Indian, who said that thence to Naguatex was a day and a half's journey, all the way lying through an inhabited region. Having passed out of Amaye on Saturday the 20th of July, between that place and Naguatex at midday, along a clump of luxuriant wood, the camp was seated. From thence Indians being seen who had come to espy them, those on horseback went in their pursuit, killed six and captured two. The prisoners being asked by the governor why they had come, they said to discover the numbers he had and their condition, having been sent by their lord the chief of Naguatex and that he, with other caciques, who came in his company and his cause, had determined on giving him battle that day. While thus conferring, many Indians advanced, formed in two squadrons, who, so soon as they saw that they were decried, giving whoops, they assailed the Christians with great fury, each on a different quarter. But, finding how firm was the resistance, they turned, and fleeing, many lost their lives, the greater part of the cavalry pursuing them, forgetful of the camp, when those that remained were attacked by other two squadrons that had lain in concealment, who, in their turn, having been withstood, paid the penalty that the first had done. When the Christians came together, after the Indians fled, they heard loud shouting at the distance of a crossbow shot from where they were, and the governor sent twelve cavalry to see what might be the cause. Six Christians were found amidst numerous Indians, two that were mounted, defending four on foot with great difficulty, and they, as well as those who went to their succour, finally ended by killing many. They had got lost from those who followed after the first squadrons, and, in returning to the camp, fell among them with whom they were found fighting. One Indian brought back alive, being asked by the governor who they were that had come to give him battle, said the cacique of Naguatex, the one of Maye, and another of a province called Hakanak, 
lord of great territories and numerous vassals, he of Nahuatex being in command. The governor, having ordered his right arm to be cut off and his nose, sent him to the cacique, with word that he would march the next day into his territory to destroy it, and that if he wished to dispute his entrance to await him. The governor stopped there that night, and the following day he came to the habitations of Nahuatex, which were much scattered, and having asked for the town of the cacique, he was told that it stood on the opposite side of a river nearby. He marched thitherward, and coming to the river, on the other bank he saw many Indians awaiting him, set in order to defend the passage, but, as he did not know whether it might be forded or not, nor whereabouts it could be crossed, and having some wounded men and horses, he determined to repose for some time in the town where he was, until they should be healed. In consequence of the great heats that prevail, he pitched his camp a quarter of a league from the river, in a fine open grove of high trees near a brook, close to the town. Some Indians taken there, having been asked if the river was fordable, said yes, at times it was. In certain places, on the tenth day he sent two captains, each with fifteen cavalry, one up and the other down the stream, with guides to show where they might get over, to see what towns were to be found on the opposite side. They were both opposed by the Indians, who defended the passages the best they could. But these being taken notwithstanding, on the other shore they found many habitations with much subsistence, and having seen this, the detachments went back to the camp. Chapter 33 How the Cacique of Naguatex came to visit the governor, and how the governor went thence and arrived at Nondacao. From Naguatex, where the governor was, he sent a message to the Cacique that, should he come to serve and obey him, he would pardon the past, and if he did not, he would go to look after him and would inflict the chastisement he deserved for what he had done. At the end of two days the Indian got back, bringing word that tomorrow the cacique would come. The day before his arrival, the chief sent many Indians in advance of him, among whom were some principal men, to discover in what mood the governor was, and determine whether he would himself come or not. They went back directly as they had announced his approach, the cacique arriving in a couple of hours afterward, well attended by his people. They came one before another, in double file, leaving an opening through the midst, where he walked. They arrived in the governor's presence weeping, after the usage of Tula, thence to the eastward not very distant, when the chief, making his proper obeisance, thus spoke. Very high and powerful lord, whom all the earth should serve and obey, I venture to appear before you, after having been guilty of so great and bad an act that, for only having thought of it I merit punishment. Trusting in your greatness, although I do not deserve pardon, yet for your own dignity you will show me mercy, having regard to my inferiority in comparison with you, forgetting my weakness, which to my sorrow and for my greater good I have come to know. I believe that you and yours must be immortal, that you are master of the things of nature, since you subject them all, and they obey you, even the very hearts of men. Witnessing the slaughter and destruction of my men in battle, which came of my ignorance, and the counsel of a brother of mine, who fell in the action, from my heart did I repent the error that I committed, and directly I desired to serve and obey you. Wherefore have I come, that you may chastise and command me as your own? The governor replied that the past would be forgiven, and that, should he thenceforward do his duty, he would be his friend, favouring him in all matters. 
At the end of four days, Luis de Moscoso set forward and arrived at a river he could not pass. It ran so full, which to him appeared wonderful at the time, more than a month having gone by since there had been rain. The Indians said that it often increased in that manner, without there being rain anywhere in all the country. It was supposed to be caused by the sea entering in, but he learned that the water always flowed from above and that the Indians nowhere had any information of the sea. The governor returned back to where he had been the last days, and at the end of eight more, understanding that the river might then be crossed, he left and passed over to the other bank, where he found houses but no people. He lodged out in the fields and sent word to the cacique to come where he was and to give him a guide to go on with. After some days, finding that the cacique did not come nor send anyone, he dispatched two captains, each of them in a different direction, to set fire to the towns and seize the people that might be found. They burned much provision and captured many Indians. The cacique, seeing the damage his territories were receiving, sent five principal men to Moscoso with three guides, who understood the language farther on, whither he would go. Directly the governor set out from Naguatex, arriving on the third day at a hamlet of four or five houses, belonging to the cacique of the poor province named Nisohone, a thinly peopled country having little maize. Two days' journey on the way, the Indians who guided the governor, in place of taking him to the west, would lead him to the east, and at times they went through heavy thickets, out of the road. In consequence, he ordered that they should be hanged upon a tree. A woman, taken in Nisohone, served as the guide, who went back to find the road. In two days' time, the governor came to another miserable country, called Lacane. An Indian was taken, who said the land of Nondakao was very populous, the houses much scattered, as in mountainous regions, and there was plenty of maize. The cacique came with his Indians, weeping as those of Naguatex had done, which is according to their custom, significant of obedience, and he made a present of much fish, offering to do whatsoever might be required of him. He took his departure, leaving a guide for the province of Suacatino. Somewhere between Naguatex and Nondacao, the expedition crosses the border between Arkansas and Texas. However, the route the expedition took is no less open for debate here than it has been at all other points. The expedition could have entered Louisiana and crossed into Texas around Shreveport, or the crossing into Texas could have taken place around today's Texarkana. The new governor in the meantime appears to have taken a leaf out of Hernando de Soto's book, there is no change in attitude towards local people, who continue to be captured, fought and punished. Moscoso continues moving on, but now there is no ambition to find a fortune. The expedition members just want to get back to Spanish-speaking lands. However, there is no fixed route back home, and in the next episode they change their plans once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Long History. As you've made it this far, please like the episode before you go. Please subscribe and share if you can. Thank you for listening to the Southern United States in the 1500s, Part 19, Into Texas. Goodbye.